found the Beaver Tales podcast. If you're currently playing this podcast on a speaker in a public setting, go ahead and turn the volume up so everyone can hear. Hello, everybody. It's good to talk to you again on the Beaver Tales podcast. I am Josh Warden, and we've got another Beaver baseball champion for you today on the podcast. It is outfielder Stephen Kwan, who finished out his career in 2018 with the national championship. He was a first-team All-Pac-12 player, batted an absurd 355 that season. He was drafted in the fifth round in 2018 by Cleveland, and he plays in the minor leagues for their organization now. He joins me on the podcast from Texas, where he's quarantining and preparing for the next season, whenever that may be, and staying in shape. We had some fun conversations about his memories of the College World Series, his practice in meditation, how pro ball has gone so far, and rehabbing from his injury. If you remember watching the College World Series, he missed a large chunk of the time in Omaha with a hamstring injury. So how did he rehab and support his team even when he wasn't always playing in Omaha, but he was right there, a part of that team, and they may not have even gotten to that point if not for a tremendous outfielder in Stephen Kwan. If this is your first time listening to the Beaver Tales podcast, you may not have heard about Kingdom Home. I like to mention them or other nonprofits on this podcast to give them some free exposure. Kingdom Home is led by former Oregon State pitcher Matt Boyd. He and his wife Ashley have founded this organization to help kids in Uganda avoid sex slavery, whether by recovery or prevention. They have a home where they're taken care of there. They never age out the children. So even if they're 18 years old, they don't force the children out until they're ready to move on to the next stage of their life. You can sponsor a child or donate and help out an amazing charity over in Uganda that's helped out and led by an Oregon State baseball player himself and Matt Boyd. Their website is kingdomhome.org. That's kingdomhome.org. And fellow baseball player in Stephen Kwan, following a few years after the Matt Boyd era, now joins me on the Beaver Tales podcast. Really fun conversation with a guy like Stephen who, you know the phrase, someone who takes themselves too seriously. They think their opinion is the biggest deal and everyone needs to listen to them. Well, Stephen Kwan is not that guy. He's much more humble, gentle, personable guy. And that's why I hope and expect you to enjoy this conversation with Stephen Kwan. So here he is on the Beaver Tales podcast. All right, continuing our trend of getting 2018 Beaver baseball players on the podcast, Stephen Kwan joins me from a little bit east of here from Texas. Stephen, how's the last few weeks been and how you've been spending your time in Texas? Everything's been good. Uh, thanks for having me. No, it's it's been really good. Uh, like I was telling you before, I'm with a couple of teammates from the Indians and there's some really great guys. You know, I've been staying motivated, staying active keeping the spirits up. So these last few weeks have been great. You've uh, just been a couple of years since leaving Oregon State. I mean, your story of being drafted, if I remember correctly, Caden was telling a funny story about uh, the 2018 draft and how players were hearing they were drafted, especially I think it was a Tuesday practice. Tell me about how you heard Cleveland had picked you. Yes, yeah, so I, I have another fun story about that. So I was told by my agent that uh, I was going to get a call five rounds before I was actually going to go. So I was supposed to be around like seven to 10, seven to 12. And, uh, you know, if I wanted to go seventh, that means I was going to hear my like name at the beginning of the second day, which was like the third round. So as the day went on, the third round went, the fourth round went, the fifth round went. And so I'm thinking to myself, Oh man, like, I guess I'm not going to the 10th round, you know, just keep my hopes up, keep my fingers crossed. And then we're at, we're all at lunch. I remember this was right before practice. We're at lunch. 
and I get a call and it's about around the end of the fifth round. And I'm like, Oh, okay, this is cool. Maybe I got something for the 10th round. And then it's my agent kind of going through all these things. They're like, yeah, this team wants to take you in the 12th. This team wants to take you in the 10th, but the Indians want to take you in the fifth. And I was like, in the fifth, like, uh, I was not expecting to go that early or for like anything close to that. And he's like, yeah, well, we'll see how it goes. Uh, check the draft tracker. And if your names get called up, uh, you know, give me back, give me a call back. I'm like, okay. So I'm, I look at the draft tracker and I'm like, okay, I wonder if like they're in the, like the third or fourth pick from now, like maybe I'll get myself ready. And I look it up and the Indians have the next pick and I'm like, oh, maybe I should refresh this. And then I refresh it. And then my name pops up. So I was like, oh goodness. Like this flurry of emotions just popped up so fast. And then, so it was all, it was all awesome from there. But like that, three minutes was just a roller coaster of oh gosh I'm like not gonna go in the 10th oh sweet I'm going in the 10th oh I might be going the fifth and then oh gosh like it was just it was awesome and it was really cool because like I said we were at lunch and all my buddies were around so it was it was a blast something I'll never forget so your pro career starts with a roller coaster of emotions in itself and you still had yet to go all the emotions of winning the college world series which at that point had not yet happened uh, that was a few weeks later so we'll come back to the College World Series, but tell me about how your you know, season and a half, two, basically two seasons of pro baseball has gone, some highlights of playing for a few different affiliates of Cleveland. So my first year, obviously, I hurt myself in the College World Series with the hammies. So that spilled into my first year. I rehabbed in Arizona. I had a bunch of great trainers. They treated me really well, and I got to play about you know, 10 games at the end of that year. So that was kind of like a short little taste of pro ball but my last year was was definitely really eye-opening and I've been really fortunate because I've been able to talk to all of my other teammates like Nick Trevor guys in future like KJ and Christian Donahue I've been able to talk to all of them so they were able to prepare me really well for what was coming up and I mean it's a grind it's it's a lot of games it's a lot of baseball you go into a lot of weird cities that you've never heard of but uh I mean the guys are like the same in college like the guys are what makes it really fun you know I had a really good group of guys with the, the Cleveland Indians I was in a uh, Lynchburg uh, for last season and it was and it was really fun it was a lot it was less it wasn't as bad as everybody had made it sound you know everybody made it was like oh dude like some days you're gonna want to go home you don't want to play but I was around a good group of guys so my first year I had no complaints yeah you're still only 22 years old and you don't turn 23 till September so you've got a lot of time to grow as a baseball player and off the field for that matter and and one of the parts of this podcast I like to get into as much as possible is is the off the field stuff the the areas you've developed as a person and what you've learned are important qualities to have, the relationships you value. And granted, it's only been 22 months since you left Oregon State. So mm. you know, maybe you're not a, a 180 degree different person than the Stephen Kwan of 2018. But mm. what are you know a thing or two that, that you've learned, a quality you've developed since you left Oregon State? Uh, I would say one of the biggest things was like consistency. Um, I had like a really good routine at Oregon State, you know, talking about like meditation, breathing techniques and all that. And it went good at school. And like, I felt really good about that. And then once I left, I kind of got away from that because World Series, getting drafted, rehab, like there was just a lot going on. And I remember kind of being down one day. and I'm like, I wonder why college was so fun. You know, like what made college so good now? Like stuff is so hard and it just goes back to like routines, consistency. So I made sure I kind of, I got more professional off the field is what I like to say, you know, on the field, I do all my routine hitting defense, get my arm care, but off the field, I had to, I had to eat better. I had to, I had to meditate. I had to go get my eight hours of sleep, stay hydrated. I made sure that was a good thing that I'd stayed, stayed on. 
I think I've been doing a really good job of that. I think that's something I still struggle with every day, being more aware of my surroundings and just being in a good headspace. But yeah, sticking with my routines and, and consistency, I think that's the biggest thing that I've, I've gotten in these next months. That makes sense. If you let those things kind of go to the wayside, if not right away, after a few weeks, you'd start to realize a little anxiety or whatever it may be mm -hmm. that that would pop up. What what sort of practices in meditation do you use even dating back to Oregon State? What does that look like mm -hmm. for you? Yeah, so I would do we'd have a meditation group and it was it was a lot of the guys, uh, Tyler Graham, uh, you know, former coach with the Oregon State he would get a, a bunch of guys and we'd meditate before the game and it's a lot of like visualization you you see yourself in the situation you visualize yourself succeeding and then you just play that over and over in your head and doing those mental reps uh your brain can't distinguish whether that's like you actually doing it or like you're thinking about it like the positive success in your mind is just is it's you, that's like you're going through the reps for that so if you can do that over and over you'll be uh you'll, you'll find yourself successful and just the meditation off like away from baseball just kind of like being aware of your thoughts like we have a lot of negative thoughts that always seep into our mind and it's natural for that because our mind wants to protect ourselves from getting hurt or like being surprised so we're always like oh uh you know watch out for this guy he might I don't know, like try to steal your money, you know, keep like stay away from him kind of thing, which is super irrational, but like your brain is trying to protect you. And, and now that, that was a weird example, but it's like, a, you're always thinking negative thoughts. So if you can kind of take a step back and be aware of those negative thoughts and replace them with positive and, and, and like positive affirmations, then like you'll find yourself in a better headspace. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. You protect yourself by us, at least sometimes assuming the worst so that when mm -hmm. negative things do happen, they don't, catch you even more off guard than they otherwise would do you do you visualize like that maybe maybe not in the same way or maybe you do in non-sports sense in your other life goals or other areas that would make you more at peace do you ever do that same visualization practice of things you desire outside of baseball yeah I would definitely say so I mean I even <laughs> I visualize a little bit going to this interview you know like there's thoughts of like, oh God, I'm gonna sound like an idiot. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say something stupid. I'm gonna say something inappropriate, and it's gonna just get blown out of proportion. I mean, I did a very tiny visualization of like, no, like I know this guy's gonna be a really cool guy. We're gonna talk about Oregon State baseball, everything else, and it's gonna go great. So I mean, it's it's and like even like another like interview for jobs or meeting other people. It's it's the same stuff. Well, apparently you visualize well because you're knocking out of the park so far. So you're doing great, Stephen. So far, so far. <laughs> I'm sure you do great. A couple last things about minor league ball, and then we'll move back to the College World Series in 2018 and run through your Oregon State career. Um, you played three years at OSU, so you appeared in 156 games overall in your collegiate career. You play, you've played two seasons so far in the minors. You've appeared in 140 games professionally use metal bats in, in college, wood bats and pros, yet you've already hit as many home runs in your professional career as you did yeah. your entire collegiate career. Now, granted, that number's three, but still, yeah. what's happened since your pro career started and you've, you've hit at least a few dingers? Uh, I mean, shoot, I would say not very much. I always, uh, I always use, like, the aluminum bats that didn't have that much pop. I like to use the balanced ones that I had a lot of bat control with, so – I always joked around that my metal bat had just as much pop as the as the wood bat. But uh, I mean, I, I'd like to contribute that to, like I said, eating better, working out, gaining some muscle. But I mean, I think what it really is, is baseball is just a really random sport. You know, sometimes you hit a home run, you get the pitch. And other times, you know, you, you, you just don't. You know, the wind's blowing in, 
can't see for a little bit. Like, just I think baseball is a very random sport, and I got I think it just it just that's how it happened. I think it was very fortunate that I got those couple, and hopefully there'll be more next year or this year. You know, yeah. never know. You never know. Um, are you hearing anything more than the general public is in terms of minor league baseball and what things are coming back? Or you're just paying attention to the stories as much as anybody else is? Yeah, I mean, we're hearing a lot of different things. I know they said there's a really good chance MLB is going to be coming back. The minor leagues are kind of taking a backseat to the discussions. So really not sure where any of that is going to be right now. But sure. just got to keep working out like next week they're going to call us back because it could really be – you know, hey, we need you here in two days. So here's your ticket. See you soon. All right, let's go to, to Oregon State. Tell me a little bit about your recruitment story. Which coaches were your first contact? Was it Pat Casey? Was it Yeski, Lees, someone else? Uh, what was your recruitment like before you even came to Oregon State? Yeah, no, so my first contact was, uh, was Coach Yeski, the uh, former pitching coach. And I, I remember it really well. Uh, I was still obviously a really small kid. I had gotten, like, some talks from, like, Cal Poly, Slow, Long Beach, like, Santa Barbara, like, mid-major kind of schools on the West Coast. So I thought that was kind of where my baseball path was going to head. And then I remember playing in a, a tournament in Southern California, USD, and I had a pretty good game there. And, yes, he starts talking to me and my family. And I'm thinking to myself, like, wow, I just had a really good game uh, in front of him. I got really lucky. That's not really who I am, you know, because I think I hit, like, a double off center field wall, which I'd never done before. And just kind of like, oh, wow, I got lucky. I'm really glad that he, uh, he was there to see that. Kept seeing him in Arizona. They uh, happened to invite me up in the campus, I think, later that summer. And, I mean, long story short, I got the offer. And I was telling myself, this is the best offer by far I'm ever going to get. Like, I'm not – because I heard other people will be like, oh, well, like, that's a really generous offer, but we'll see. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to play around at all. This is the best offer I'm going to get. This is awesome. Campus was gorgeous. Everything was perfect. So I, I grabbed it on board and it was, it was, it was awesome. It was a really great experience. So you spent a few years at Oregon State. The 2017 season was special in its own way and one of the best, at least regular seasons, any college team has ever put together. 2018 obviously finished better. When you came into the 2018 College World Series, how much were your desires and goals in that series affected by what had happened in 2017 and not finishing the job the year prior? Yeah, no, I mean, that was on everybody's mind, truly. I actually remember I was on second base at the end of 2017 against LSU. And once they beat us, they rushed out the field. You know, guys are kind of bumping into me. Like, not, nothing disrespectful, but, like, they're running, they're sprinting right past me. And I'm walking back, and it's me and Andy Peterson. And Andy Peterson, he goes, Quan, don't ever forget this feeling. This feeling sucks. You'd never want to get this feeling back. Make sure that you never have this again. So that was kind of something I was like, yeah, like this is never going to happen again. We're going to make sure we're the, we're doing the dog pile at the end of the year. So yeah, definitely. You know, it was on everybody's mind. We had a desire, willpower that we were going to finish it that year. You had that motivation to get to 2018. You run through the regionals and super regionals. Even after you get drafted, you head to Omaha. Was it the was it the Washington game, the one with the long rain delay? Was that the one where you first tweaked your hamstring, or where did that injury actually first happen? Yeah, so the first time it happened, I think it was the third inning, center field, and I was just very – it was a really hot day, super sweaty, and I already sweat a ton, and I really didn't have a great grasp on, like, what being hydrated was. So there was an overthrow to second, and I'm backing up second base to go get the ball. And, you know, backing up a base, you're not really thinking about – your running mechanics you're just thinking about get the ball in you know don't get him to third and then that's when I kind of tweaked it and I had tweaked my hamstring prior and uh in between my freshman and sophomore season and summer ball 
So I knew what the feeling was, but I was kind of just shocked. Like there's, there's no way I just pulled it now in like the biggest stage of my life. So I'm running in and uh, I tell, I tell Case, I'm like, Hey Case, like get Preston ready. Like, I, I don't know if uh, I'm going to be able to, to run out of the box in this one. And he goes, okay, well, we'll see. Just get in there and like, just try your best. So I remember I hit a ball. So there's one on first. I hit a ball to shortstop. I'm like, oh crap, double play ball. Got to get out of the box. And I pushed real hard out of the, out of the box. And then my leg was just like, yeah, no shot. And I had nothing behind it. And I just like kind of jogged at first. And that's when a lot of people thought I pulled it, but I had pulled it uh, the inning before on the backup. So you move on through the college world series. You win that game after the rain delay. And was the rain delay after, yeah, it was after the injury, right? So you spent the whole yeah. rain delay having already dealt with the tweak. You, you had that whole time to sit in the locker room and think about, oh, yeah. right, after you had already just gotten injured. So did you oh, have to yeah. kind of stew in that a little bit? You had more time to think about it, right? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I had pulled it before and I knew this one was a tough one. There's actually a test that I always do where it's like, you know how like when you get home, you slip your shoes off with your back foot and you kind of get it out. That's my test to see how bad the hammy is. And I tried slipping my cleat off and my hamstring just did not allow that. So I was like, okay, this is, this is pretty bad. And I had Jeremy Ainsworth, our trainer, just doing everything he could on that. But I mean, it was, it, I knew it was pretty bleak for my hamstring for that game, at least. So you move on to the actual finals and you started game one of the college mm -hmm. World series finals against Arkansas. What happened in that game, how you felt and then warm ups for game two, where you did not start game two of the finals. Yeah, uh, I mean, I felt I felt good going up to that. I had done my my rehab like to the T, as good as I could do. Stayed hydrated, did everything I could. And, I mean, I was just kind of hoping like, hey, if I do all this, my hamstring will repay me and I'll be good. And I would say it was about like 70, 75% good. But like, as you know, with hamstrings, they're always naggy and they're always there. So I kind of lied to Case and said, yeah, Case, I'm like 90, 95% good. Like I'm ready to go. So, I mean, I lied straight to his face and I wanted it so bad. And I knew my swing was right where it needed to be. I knew I could play outfield and do everything good. But uh, I think it was the mid, like maybe the seventh inning. I was on first base and Caden scorches a ball down the line, which I thought was fair. I'm rounding the bags. I'm like, oh gosh, like I got to score this one. Like we were down at that point. I'm like, I got to score here. So I'm busting my tail out of the box. Or around second, I get to third, and then I hear somebody's like, hey, it's foul, it's foul, it's foul, like relax. So I guess they called it foul way earlier, but I didn't hear it. So I like slowed myself down, and on the slowdown, I felt it kind of pull again. And I was like, oh man, no way, not here. And so I, it didn't feel as bad as the first one, but I, I stayed in the game, and obviously the, we didn't end the game with a win that one. And it just took a lot of soul searching for that one where I just had to tell Case, I was like, I'm not going to be a liability to the team. I can't play you know, next man up. And that really, that really hurt, but I knew we had the guys for it. So I wasn't worried about us not winning the game. It just hurt me selfishly that I wanted to be in the game. I could tell that you very much were passionate and, you know, who would want to miss game two and game three of the college world series to the degree that you even stretched a little bit and said, I'm 90, 95%, which I, that's understandable. I, I don't really blame you for, for wanting to do everything. You'd spent the whole season playing for this team and mm -hmm. you know, there's only two games left. Was it difficult for you to mentally and emotionally realize after all this work I put in and these are my last game or two of my college baseball career and my body is not giving me what I want? Every, everything that you'd work for, all your goals, and yet your body said no. How, how did you handle that? 
it definitely was creeping in my mind, but that was where like the meditation and all that stuff really took over. I took that as like, you know, that's a negative thought. Let's, let's be in the present right now. Like I'm in the college world series with my best friends and my brothers, you know, like if one of them saw me being down and that affected them, I'd never forgive myself. So I told myself I had to be 200% of the teammate I could be before. And like, if anybody needed anything, I was going to be the one to like help them. And like, I was going to get the dugout fired up. I was going to do literally anything I could to, to help us there. And it, I mean, like I said, the negativity was definitely there, but that just wasn't a time I could feel sorry for myself. I think you were initially penciled in game two and maybe it was after BP where you officially said, I can't, or what was the timeline like on game two? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was around BP. I, uh, stayed hopeful I didn't tell Case immediately that I couldn't like my hamstring was was pretty bad but I remember for warm-ups we tried doing some sprints and my sprint was maybe like 70 percent and then at that thought I was thinking like if I'm in the outfield and I let a ball go over my head and like I'm jogging to get it like that just can't happen so again it was just like hey Case I'm I'm out I can't do it so Preston Jones gets the start in your place in the fifth inning, he had a bunt single, a critical one that ended up being mm-hmm. huge. Uh, he gets on base, and you actually got to go on the field because they had a mound visit shortly after that. So there's a break in the action. You go out in the field, and I think you hand him a Gatorade bottle, and you're talking to him for a second, and the TV cameras caught it. The spot in the lineup, you were, I mean, you were supposed to be that guy. You're supposed to be playing center field and batting. Mm-hmm. What did it take for you to at least seem outwardly that you were supporting him? And, and I don't know how difficult that was, but do you remember that moment where you had a choice? choice to either you could have been bitter or you could have celebrated and supported him mm. and uh take me to that moment no I mean I didn't it didn't really seem it wasn't really hard for me you know like me and Preston you know really good friends so it was nothing wrong there was no bitterness like I said I wanted to get him anything he needed the thing I actually remember about that is the umpire told me to get off the field and I was like I'm like hey man I'm just handing him a water and he's like no I like I know you're not playing this game like you gotta get off the field and I think he was a Pac-12 umpire, too. So I was like, hey, like, hey, like, it's good, man. Like, I'm just getting my water. I'm going to get off. Like, I mean, I was getting a little bitter at that point with him just kind of kick me off the field. I'm like, I'm just trying to help him here, you know, maybe get like a, an extra step or something on the leadoff. Like, I wasn't doing that, but I was just trying to be a smart Alec. But then, I mean, he just, then he kicked me off the field and I was like, okay, that was unnecessary. But other than that, there was, there definitely was no bitterness. I was, I was just as locked in in the game as everybody else was to, to get something going. You get to game three. The series is tied at that point. I've asked multiple players the same question about the confidence level after game two and how sure you felt that you would win game three. Take me to the end of game two and your certainty or where you were at going into the final game of the season. Yeah, I mean, it was it was no doubt. Like, no disrespect to Arkansas, but, like, baseball is thinking of momentum, and that was the biggest momentum shift that could possibly happen. You know, we had everything firing behind us. We knew we were – we, we believed we were the better team the whole time. It was just, you know, Arkansas was, was battling with us the whole time. But with this kind of momentum and confidence that we had, like, it was, it was a no doubt we were going to do it. I remember another kind of something that pumped us up was we had listened to the Arkansas conference after the game. Somebody asked them, like, how do you rebound after this game for a game three? And they gave just the most vanilla PC answers that you can give. No emotion to it. And we were all watching that like, yeah, I mean, these guys are done. We got them. And it was, it was just weak answers like, yeah, you know, we believe we're the best team still. And this game doesn't change anything. It was, it was very just fake. And, I mean, that, we fed off of that as well. So just all those factors going into it, we, we knew we had a real good shot at it. So you're watching 
game three and you're seeing Kevin Abel mow guys down, you're seeing Caden Grenier score the first run, you're seeing Trevor Larned get some hits. As game three is going on through the middle innings of that game, what are some of the, the moments that stand out to you? Maybe the conversations you were having in the dugout with the other players during innings in between. Uh, what stands out to you during the middle of game three as it's starting to get close to the end? So actually I was still re like I was rehabbing down in the tunnel pretty much during the middle part of these games I would be in the tunnel rehabbing uh Jeremy would hook me up to like a stim machine just to see if like I can get the muscles kind of regenerate and get and feel good if Case needed me for a bunt situation I told him if I get the bunt down and like it's a good bunt I'll either backpedal or shuffle because that's what made my my hamstring feel good so I was kind of hoping I could get one of those where like I drop a bunt down and backpedal the first but I was staying ready but uh I remember watching the game on tv and as a as like a just a fan because I wasn't in the dugout and I was just thinking like man we are we're mowing these guys down like this is really gonna happen like this is crazy and I feel like the gravity of the situation that doesn't ever settle on you you're just so overwhelmed by it you're just like wow like this is really gonna happen we're really gonna do this you get to game three to the very end trying to do the rehab during most of game three but by the ninth inning where it seemed pretty clear you're gonna win that game had you come back out into the dugout and what did you do when that final out was made yeah so I came back around the seventh it was pretty clear that we had taken a strong lead and Kevin was just mowing guys down so it's kind of selfishly I was like okay I'm gonna kind of peek back in the dugout and I just remember being around just all the guys and just like thinking again like dude this is really gonna happen and that ninth inning what I what I remember is I had my arms around Bryce Femmel and, and and Luke Heimlich you know I had I was in the middle of both of those and it was like a very understood thing that it was like two outs in the ninth and we were just like dude like this is really about to happen like all this hard work like it was all unspoken but we we're just like yeah man like this is gonna be crazy and then after that final out it was just a blackout instant blackout so no memories of who you hugged first or dog pile or anything? I, I actually, I think I remember trying to get in the dog pile. And because I was weary about jumping so high, I had this weak jump. And I like jumped in like the lower middle of the dog pile. And I got like pushed out. And I was like, man, I got to get in there. So then my second jump was like way on top. And I made sure I stuck in there. But then I remember just falling out of that dog pile again and just taking a step back and being like, holy cow, like that, that really, this is really happening. This is really happening. And, yeah, I don't remember who the first person I hugged was. I want to say it was Kyle, but it could have been a number of people. I really don't remember. You probably had more time to savor the College World Series than most people because guys like Caden, well, most or any of the guys who went on to play in the minors shortly after, since you had already been drafted, mm -hmm. Caden was saying, I think he played his first game within like a week of the College World Series ending, mm -hmm. and you're on. You, having the hamstring injury, did not play right away. Maybe you had already traveled down to the affiliate in Arizona or wherever it was, but did mm -hmm. you how much time did you have before you were playing? How much that injury kept you out, and how much did you savor the College World Series championship in that uh, stretch afterwards? Yeah, so my first game of my professional career, I want to say it was like late August. So, like, really near the end of the, the uh, professional season. So, I had about, you know, a month and a half, two months off. But, uh, I mean, I, don't, I, I, didn't, I didn't really have time to savor it because, I mean, it was, it was awesome, no doubt. But I had to get healthy. Like, that was my number one thing. Like, sure, my, it was awesome to win the College World Series. But my number one dream is to be a professional baseball player. So, I had to just d dedicate all my energy towards rehabbing. And it, it, was, it was definitely just a tough situation because I wanted to be out there. But I knew I, knew I had to get some of the, like, the dirty work done before we got going.
there's a couple last questions about the college world series were there any other um, moments that stand out to you any other conversations that you had particular plays that come up I mean I haven't even asked about the foul ball or Trevor's home run so I'm sure those always come up but other ones that maybe don't get talked about as much or people that you saw there in Omaha or moments in between the games as you're in the the hotel or going to the zoo or whatever what what else Mm -hmm. stands out when you reminisce about Omaha and the 2018 college world series any other stories come up yeah I mean I'm sure a couple of guys talked about it but like Zach Taylor's walk I mean that has to be talked about like people really don't understand like that guy grinded for that at bat and that was not an easy situation and he's worked so hard during the whole season and to get like to have him start that off was just like yeah of course ZT is the guy who's gonna get us going so that was like on the field that was definitely something but uh I mean I guess off the field it was tough like just hanging out with the guys it's like going around, like, walking around, watching the games, walking around the little um, all-star village outside, like, just being with the guys was 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 real cool. Um, no, I guess I don't have – I guess as corny as it is, just I remember spending all my time with all the guys, like, talking with Trev, Fem, ZT. I roomed with ZT, too, so that was really fun. So it was just those memories with the guys were what I'll cherish the most out of that situation. What will be your lasting memory of Pat Casey, how much you've talked to him since then, and, and your, uh, what you think his legacy should be and the main memories that stand out to you from Pat Casey? Yeah, actually, I'm glad you mentioned Pat Casey. Uh, that was actually something I was going to say, but I just I got lost in my thought of that last question. But uh, it was like a, kind of a short story here, but going into my sophomore year, I asked, I asked Coach Casey, like, hey, Coach, like, what – is it going to take for me to play this year? Cause I wasn't start. I wasn't started by any means. I started halfway through the year and I told him like, what is it going to take for me to play? And I thought he was gonna tell me something like, Oh, you need to hit better. You need to bunt better. You need to be faster. Something, something like a skill wise, but he had this dumbfounded look on his face and he was just like, what do you mean? You want me to tell you what's going to get you to play? Like, no, you need to believe in yourself. Like you got the tools, but if you don't believe in yourself then I can't tell you anything, I, you want some magic, thing that I'm going to tell you and you're going to feel better but like I can't make you feel better you got to believe in yourself and I was so taken aback I was like wow I mean he's right and that was so like profound and so simple like I didn't think I would get such a simple answer from that and I really kind of kept that in my back pocket and then I remember I think it was after the North Carolina game going into the Washington game it was pre-game two or three hours before the game um, we're just kind of walking around and Case is walking from the bullpen into the dugout and I'm walking from the dugout to the bullpen just chatted up with like Femme, Jordan Britton, and all those guys just kind of mess around and Case stopped me and I'll never forget this Case goes he goes hey Kwani you remember that time uh, you walked in my office and uh, you asked me what you need to do to play and I was like of course coach I remember that and he goes look how far you come you know we're gonna win this thing and he just walked off and I was just like Whoa. like just profound a profound man like bone chilling like right down the spine and I mean as corny as it is, I was like, man, we are, we're going to win this thing. Like, we're going to win all of this. Like, this is, this, is, this is awesome. I mean, Casey is just a very wise man, smart man. I'm sure as everybody else has been telling you, but, like, he knows how to coach young men and turn them from boys to men. So I'm yeah. forever thankful for that. He remembers. I mean, he remembers those moments, and that's impressive. What is it about Case, especially in that story, because anyone could have told you, Oh, Kwani, just believe in yourself. You know, that, that's a statement I'm sure you had heard before that. So it probably mm-hmm. wasn't the first time someone had told you to believe in yourself. And yet that one stuck with you. And when he told you it's not just one thing you need to do better, you need to believe in yourself, that 
apparently yeah, that made some grave big deal in your mind. That's what helped you to get to that next level. So it, it wasn't the advice itself that was necessarily revolutionary, but something mm-hmm. about it still made the impact. So what was it about that interaction that did make such a big change? I think it was just that like he hit it on the head. So like I really was trying to figure out like, am I not playing? Cause I'm not hitting well. Like, am I not playing because like, I'm just not strong enough. And I think it was, I stepped out of that, that meeting thinking like, no, that can't be it. Like, that's not right. But then I really thought about it and it was just the way he delivered it. Like he was so shocked. I think that I asked that he's like, is this kid serious? Like he thinks he can't play because he's not like good enough or like he can't hit well enough. Like, cause I had a complete conversation. He's a hundred percent. Right. And I think that's what got me to, to see it was that like, this guy was so shocked that I even had the nerve to ask him that question. And he knew, I mean, he's been kind of preaching that in my head this whole time, but he was completely right. Like, I, I guess it's just hard to say. He, he just, he just knew. And his delivery of how he said, he just knew that like this kid lacks confidence. Like I can't believe he came to my office trying to figure something else out. Like you just got to believe. And I think that maybe like embarrassment and like shame kind of kicked me into another level of you know what like he's 100% right I'm not going to feel sorry for myself here he's 100% right and then I just switched it from there also interesting that you simultaneously lacked confidence in one sense but also had the confidence and desire to want more playing time and think that you deserved it or wanted to get to a place where you deserve it yet still lack confidence in another way Mm -hmm. so you were kind of having a battle of of two philosophies in your own mind of enough confidence in one way, but not enough in another. And maybe that's what he realized. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good analysis of that, by the way. Um, that's really cool. thought of that. Um, yeah, I think, I think it was just, it was one of the things I talk about a lot. I just compared myself to everybody else, you know, like I came into this class with Nick, Caden, Trev, Fem, like they were all getting significant playing time. And I was trying to be like, okay, how do I hit bombs like Trev? How do I make plays like Nick and Caden? I was just too busy comparing myself to other people that I just didn't look down at my own feet. I'm like, hey man, like this is all you're working with. You're working with five foot and eight inches of meat here. Like, what are you gonna do with it? You know, you're not gonna hit bombs, do what you can do best. And I think just narrowing all those things in and just trying to believe in myself 100%, not half the way was, was the real battle. That's, that's a great description. Uh, last thing that I'll leave you with here, Stephen, I kind of asked a similar question of players of their philosophy coming away from the College World Series and what they took away from it in terms of um, what sort of gratification they get and what they find important. And one of the things Kyle Novak said was, I don't think success is what brings happiness. You have to be happy first in order to enjoy success. It, it can't itself make you happy. And then when I talked to Michael Gretler a few moments ago, he kind of went a different route and talked about, you know, it's more the process that I wanted to enjoy. And that's what I had to work through to really bring that happiness. So two different philosophies, not contradictory, but just two different things that those two players took away. What was your takeaway? Maybe it was one of those. Maybe you resonate with one of those two ideas or a completely third one or if anything stands out. But when you win a national championship, that affects you in a certain way. How did that success change you? And and what does bring happiness? If it's not the national championship, what is it? That's another really cool question. Um, I would say that my happiness came from I mean, again, broken record. I got to spend those time with the guys, you know, like those were my, my best friends, my brothers. And 
the fact that not only did we get to play a college baseball season together, we got to go to Omaha and then win it. Like, those are moments you don't even get to spend with, like, your best friends, like, back home or anything. Or, like, those only something that you're going to be able to share with your teammates. And it's just something that, like, you know, and, and like, like Brett said, you know, we all grinded together. We had those 6 a.m. weights. We had Case yelling at all of us, telling us how, like, just yelling us down our throats, missing a sign and all that. Like, we all experienced the same thing. And then for all of us to experience the winning of the World Series is just like, I mean, how cool is that? You know, how fulfilling, gratifying. Like, we're so lucky that we got to be with those guys and achieve the, the College World Series championship. Like, that's just a special moment in my heart, um, 100%, because that's just not going to happen again. It's simply not going to happen again there's no more college world series for us to play. You know, that's just a memory in the bucket now. And that's just something that's something that we'll have for the rest of our lives. So that's what makes me really happy is that I'll have this bond with these guys for the rest of my life. And to top it off, we have a college world. Like they, we, I would have been happy if just, I played three years with them, but on top of that, we have a college world series with that. So, I mean, that's, what's made me the most happy out of all of that. Well, that's a perfect place to, to end off. Steven, you knocked it out of the park. You did a great job in this interview. You visualized well. Thanks so much for <laughs> talking with me and reminiscing about the College World Series and sharing about pro ball. It's so fun to talk with you and all of your teammates. So thanks for joining me. Yeah, this was an awesome interview. I appreciate all the, the cool questions. I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed talking with Stephen Kwan. He was so fun. I was thinking later that, you know, if I had to decide which Oregon State athlete I would go on a road trip with, Stephen Kwan might just be my answer, although any of them would be good. Stephen's just really genuine guy, gives good answers, thoughtful responses, and fun to talk with. Really interesting, the common theme of all the players I've talked with so far of the confidence boost that Pat Casey would give them, some conversation, some moment that stuck with him, and you'll hear similar stories from some future Oregon State baseball guests. Stephen is not the last one. We've had Caden Grenier and Michael Gretler and Kyle Novak already on past episodes. If you haven't heard those, you can go back and check those out. And upcoming guests as well, Jack Anderson and Zach Taylor among them. Also some other sports represented. We go with some football guests upcoming. We haven't had a women's basketball player on recently, but that'll change with Alyssa Martin coming on soon here on the Beaver Tales podcast. Don't forget to check out kingdomhome.org. That's Matt Boyd's charity. And don't forget to text a friend about this podcast as well. Until next time on the Beaver Tales podcast, I'm Josh Warden. Good night and go Beavers.